Welcome to New Narrative Southeast Asia Dispatches. I'm your host, Bonnie Bell Ramatan, Editorial Manager for New Narrative. New Narrative is a movement to democratize democracy in Southeast Asia, and this podcast is one of the ways we attempt to do just that. Democracy goes beyond the ballot box, and not only that. Sometimes the politicians we elect via the ballot box aren't exactly talking about the issues that the citizens are concerned about. This was what we found out through one of our award-winning programs, The Citizen's Agenda. Basically, we asked people the question of what they think are the most pressing issues facing their country. Our 2022 poll for The Citizen's Agenda in Malaysia finds that economic issues rank among the top most pressing issues facing the country. The top five issues were cost of living, jobs and wages, economy, corruption, and education. This isn't exactly surprising as Malaysians did not have the best start of the decade. The quality of life for millions of Malaysians has been drastically lowered by the pandemic, political and economic crisis, and flood. All of those have stretched the social protection system to its limit, which many might argue isn't that great to begin with. The general well-being of people and families is harmed by these often impulsive approaches to controlling the cost of living, and especially by an economic model that doesn't promote inclusivity. So, what do we do now? So, my name is Greg. I'm a Malaysian, uh, but uh, working in, in Australia at the Murdoch University. Uh, I'm trained as an economist, but I teach in the area of management and research political science, political economy. That is Greg Lopez, a lecturer at the Murdoch Business School, Murdoch University. He is educated in Malaysia and Australia and holds a PhD in economics from the Australian National University. He has an eclectic interest in Malaysia and interrogates the interplay of its political regime, societies and markets. In this episode, the top three issues of the citizens' gender in Malaysia cost of living, jobs and wages, and the economy will be discussed, along with how the Malaysian government may address them through inclusive economic growth and an all-inclusive social protection, as well as how ordinary citizens can push this ideal situation forward. Yeah, okay, so um, I think this is right up your alley then, this this whole research, the thing that we're doing, right? So there's a lot of um, there's a lot of anxieties as as we can see from from the the citizens agenda results so people are anxious about the economy the cost of living jobs and wages and all those things especially you know considering that uh, yeah people don't know how to manage the, the cost of living and in, in this in this kind of economy in this kind of situation so for a start maybe can you tell us a little bit about what is actually happening right now in Malaysia's economy? What is the current situation here? So what's happening in Malaysia is actually something common happening sort of across the globe. Um, the, the stability uh, of the economic system globally um, has been, um, uh, there is there's increasing volatility, volatility in, the, in the global economy. Um, so the or what they say, the golden age of capitalism after the world after World War II, uh, right up to the end of the 60s, uh, where there was stable growth, uh, came to an end with the the oil crisis and and 
And since then, the 70s, uh, almost every decade, there have been like serious uh, global economic shocks. Um, and this volatility has continued to increase. And, and what has happened um, at, in this great lockdown, this COVID-19, um, has just taken that, that volatility to perhaps you know, at the nth degree. Um, now, ha having s s said that, um, it is, it is uh, uh, the most severe economic crisis Malaysia has experienced since the 1997-1998 uh, East Asian uh, financial crisis. Um, but something about Malaysia, uh, we're pretty good at managing crisis. Um, so within a year, uh, Malaysia recovered. Um, so it, co it contracted by 5.5% in 2020, uh, but uh, immediately rebounded. And in, in 2022, uh, uh, we recorded um, an 8.7% 8, 8 growth. Um, so the, the recovery was, was remarkable, better than expected. Um, but that doesn't mean this, the issues that Malaysians are facing, the anxiety that you mentioned has been resolved. Uh, in fact, uh, the the COVID nine the, the lockdown has only heightened the problems or, or brought to fore the serious uh, issues uh, Malaysia uh, has with with uh, social protection. Um, yeah. So as as you mentioned, there has been a couple of times that you know. I mean, obviously, as as also uh, as did the world, Malaysia experienced some some shocks before prior to this one right as you mentioned the uh, economic crisis of 97 98 also malaysia uh, did have an economic contraction 2008 2009 ish around the global financial crisis um but you you also mentioned that you know there's there's a there's a there's a been an amazing rebound uh, within a year and in, in the economy and, and stuff like that but like um what is the difference actually um did Malaysia have like new economic policies? Did Malaysia learn from the uh, from the past uh, economic shocks, and then has new policies applied to it? So, how is it? For example, if we compare to the the Great Recession, as they call it, the two thousand and eight two thousand nine, uh, this recession globally, and and the so let's just say the Great Recession and the Great Lockdown. Uh, what happened um, uh, around COVID-19. So the difference could be perhaps source and scale um, at a very high level. So uh, the, the, this great recession was a, a, what we call a systemic problem that came out of uh, the subprime, the, the US housing market uh, through the financial system. Um, so, so the the financialization of of the housing market and and the derivatives, uh, you know, the, the products that they created uh, worked its way into the the U.S. economy, uh, and because you know contagion because of how a different type of contagion of how linked the financial system and the real economy is from the U.S. globally, so that transmitted. Uh, uh, what was an essentially a problem in the U.S. Um, globally, um, and then so so that's the source. Now the the great lockdown, uh, we we would 
we call it an exogenous shock, something that came out of nowhere, you know. So it was a health pandemic. It was a health issue. So nothing to do with the economy. The economy was running fine. Here's a, a health issue. But in, in order to address the health issue, we had to do something with the economy, so lockdown. So the economic activities collapsed and, and, and at greater depth because literally uh, all sectors, uh, uh, you know, the, we had to go into lockdown in all sectors uh, uh, across most, I think, all economies uh, to contain uh, the 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 health this 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 health issue to to contain the contagion, um, so the source is different, and then the depth of the economic contraction uh, was was even deeper. Um, so that's at a high level. Now, how did the government response? The government response was was similar. Um, so most governments, you know, there's f- fiscal fiscal policies that they can do and the monetary policies. So it's it's always in these two areas. Um, and, and so in, in 2008, uh, so there was fiscal policy. So I think two stimulus packages, seven, six, uh, 7 billion and six, uh, 60 billion, uh, so about 67 billion Malaysian ringgit uh, and, uh, to, to, to resuscitate the the economy, uh, uh, and and in 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 the great in this one because of how deep the the economy the the contraction was, uh, there were nine stimulus packages, uh, approximately five hundred and thirty billion dollars. Um, so just because of how deep the economic crises were, the the response, uh, the scale of the response also had to be bigger. Um, but the focus was was you know so reducing unemployment, increasing job opportunities, easing economic burden, uh, um, supporting the private sector. Um, so it's 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 similar. Uh, and a big difference at at the Great Lockdown was that uh, the Malaysian government spent quite a bit on the health sector. Uh, you know, given the the nature of of the source of the the economic contraction, which was a public health crisis, so so source and 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 uh, scale responses is the same. So governments essentially have fiscal and monetary uh, levers, uh, but then the response, given how deep the dif- the difference were so the covid lockdown was you know 530 billion dollars uh, you know dwarfs the the 2008 2009 uh, 67 billion dollars uh, response yeah um how did it do though i mean it it definitely the, the scale is like much uh, a lot larger with with the whole like nine stimulus packages as as you mentioned but also on, on the other hand like you know it's it's it hasn't been a great beginning of the decade for Malaysians, right? There's there's a COVID lockdown, but also there's been uh, yeah political turmoil. There's there was been flooding, and there's been all, all of those things must have like connected to really um, yeah to 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 affect the situation. And then, uh, but with the stimulus packages, one can say yeah, there's been success there since the economy bounced back uh, relatively rapidly. But on the other hand, you also mentioned um, you know. Uh, 
I quote, disparities between the top and bottom incomes persist despite declining headline inequality in the last two decades. So um, what, is, what is actually happening here? Like lots of stimulus packages, the economy bounced back, but there's a lot of disparities. There's a lot of gap between the rich and the poor. So, um, yeah. Now, uh, what I'm saying is, it's not, um, how do you say, it? not rocket science. And a lot of what I'm saying, uh, in fact, I base uh, um, this research or, or the views that I have on on mainstream publications and it, it's available out there. Uh, so I'm not saying anything controversial or radical. So, you know, if you, if you look at World Bank, World Bank publications, World Bank in Malaysia in particular, they've done fantastic work. Uh, and then uh, Kazana Research Institute, uh, you know, Kazana is is a, is a, a sovereign a Malaysian government sovereign wealth fund. They've they've been producing fantastic research um, uh, in a whole bunch of areas, but especially around social protection. So, so that the research is out there uh, and it's quoted in the article, um, and it's publicly available. I mainly synthesized it. So, so the the crisis. Um, you could say it's an anomaly. Um, uh, so crises are anomalies. Uh, although it's happening with greater frequency, there are anomalies. The, the, long, the, the longer term issues, or you know, the Malaysian growth story, uh, 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 to put it in a different way, um, as a, a Kazana Research Institute publication puts it. It's been a it's been a good story, or, or, or even the World Bank. You know, Malaysia is recognized as as one of the most world's most successful developing countries. Now, th this success was premised on sort of a low cost um, economic model. Uh, so we competed on 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 our human capital uh, being productive at a low cost. Uh, uh, and in particular, in export-oriented industries. So this look. So while we we derive fantastic growth rates, um, it's it's amazing. Like other than those crises, which I think are I think four times uh, over the since post-independence, it's been like above five percent growth uh, almost every year, six percent, seven percent. You know, just amazing. But so what's what's happened is. Um, and, and I'm quoting uh, primarily Kazana Research Institute and World Bank, but there are a whole bunch of other folks who have also said the same thing, is that so paid employment or, or employment-related income is the largest uh, segment of household incomes, so more than 60%. Okay, So this is where... Most Malaysians derive their income, most Malaysian households. Yet, again, a, a Kazana Research Institute uh, a study, the Malaysian labor market exhibits a generally suppressed and broadly regressive wage growth pattern. And, and this is across you know, 20, 30 years. Uh, you know. um, and, and what does this mean? Um, so there are lower growth in lower wage groups in relation to, to higher wage groups. So, so those with higher incomes, so 10, let's say 10 deciles, those at the top end, their growth is their wage growth is growing faster than those uh, at the 
at the lower end, which is the majority of Malaysians. And this is linked to Malaysia's economic growth model. And so while we have been successful in eradicating, uh, you know, absolute poverty is, is almost gone. Uh, relative poverty is also uh, declining. You know, that headline Gini growth uh, is, is on the decline with some variations over different periods. But the disparity has continued persistent because of the economic nature uh, that Malaysia that has made Malaysia successful and 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 yeah we haven't figured out what to do next and and hence this this article and all this research that is coming through that you know look if you want to become a high income nation which we will achieve a projected 2024-2028 World Bank's uh, study you got to change your economic model uh, you got to change so let's be more inclusive and and then the other pillar is you need comprehensive social protection because that's the only way you're going to solve this this issues such as this yeah um on that note though um so the model here is again as as you mentioned with with being with the improvement of like moving forward with more inclusivity and better social protection um that's obviously you know it's it's it's, it's a good thing but like um at the same time what is the current approach of social protection, right? As you, you cited uh, Kasana Research Institute, uh, the report that uh, we, yeah, I've, I've noticed that, you know, it, it says that social assistance is driven by targeting the deserving. So is that, is that like, is that something more, is that something intentional or is that something like, it's just a lack of perspective, maybe a bit of ignorance? Like, wh- what do you think, what do you think is happening here? Uh, so I think uh, it's intentional. Um, and this is linked to the the growth model. Um, so if you look at the the acts, the current legislation around social protection, uh, I think one came in fifty one uh, on health, um, uh, so, so pre like pre independence. But but the the, the others um, came like late sixties, so sixty nine, early seventies. So and this time, there was a global, you know, the Cold War, uh, sort of the capitalist model versus the socialist model, uh, and in Malaysia, um, uh, it was perhaps the most troubled times, uh, just after May 13. Um, so, a, a laissez-faire approach under the first prime minister, uh, and then figuring out what to do by the new administration, um, Tun Razak's administration. So they they wanted, I guess they were trying to strike a balance. They, they recognized from, from the 60s, since independence, that it has to be a low economic, a low cost model. Uh, they needed to, to bring about uh, industrial transformation. So surplus labor from agriculture into manufacturing. Uh, but they needed to be competitive. So they, they, you know, either import substitution or export oriented, they were figuring it out, but it was going to be premised on, uh, on a low cost uh, uh, model. So a low cost model requires you to have <laughs> low social protection. Um, and, and so this, this deserving or need, you know, 
only the poor or the weak, uh, you know, uh, rather than a more comprehensive approach, which most socialist economists took. So there was also an ideological debate, but also an, an economic uh, debate. Uh, that's that's my view on why we have this sort of this deserve, only the deserving uh, should have uh, access to social protection. So it was intentional, in my view. Right, right. But um, that that kind of like backfires, right? I mean, yeah. In 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 terms of like in terms of like um, growth, and then you know how how the economy can bounce back and stuff like that. But if this persists, it's not exactly sustainable to have uh, social protection for only the so only the the deserving without being more inclusive in it. So you did mention that um, it is. Uh, you know, it's not just an economic debate, but um, it's also an ideological debate, as with a lot of like economic debates, I suppose, relating to this. Um, do you have any thoughts on like um, whether whether there would there are models out there actually that um, have similar problems, maybe, or like you know, countries, other economic models that could be like a reference point, a benchmark for a Malaysia system where Malaysia can. Uh, yeah, can still continue to grow, but also being more inclusive, like with better social protection, for example. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, so the, you know, the, the sort of the Scandinavian model, the uh, continental European model, um, and, and those, and and, and I, 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 Malaysia is having those debates right now, uh, especially after COVID-19, because COVID-19 really showed uh, how vulnerable even middle-class Malaysians <laughs> can be. Uh, in, and again, uh, so uh, thank goodness for Kazana Research, but also many others. Since, I, I think since uh, 2014 or, or since 2010, there have been sort of more progressive thinking around social protection. Middle-class Malaysians are a heart attack away from bankruptcy uh, because Malaysian savings uh, are very, very low. Um, and with a lot of privatization that has taken place, healthcare and so forth, um, we, we've not developed a, a comprehensive social um, protection mechanism. So, and with all the political turmoil that has been happening since 97, 98, we've not been able to focus on on you know what what does society need uh, because of the constant problems among the political elite um and and so yeah there will be philosophical debates um economic political social realities and so forth but one one simple way uh, that we can look at things is okay so so malaysia is on the cusp of becoming a high income nation now High-income nation means you also need to ensure uh, that you have a particular approach to your citizens. Okay, so you know what's the point of being high-income if you know eighty percent of your citizens are, are you know one critical illness away from bankruptcy. Okay, or, or if they lose their job, you know there goes you know their their you know, everything that they have worked hard for. So, so 
there are going to be deep debates, but a simple way that we can look at this is how much do we spend on social protection? So let's remove the ideological debates, but just how do we how much do we spend? So there is a uh, an ILO study that it's 2017, um, but it gives an indication. Um, so among ASEAN countries, and this social expenditure includes health, yeah, which is you know a, a big portion. So Malaysia spends 3.8 percent of its GDP uh, on social expenditure. Singapore spends 4.2 percent. Vietnam spends 6.3 percent. That's just uh, comparing against others in ASEAN spending more than Malaysia. Now, if you look at upper-middle-income countries, which Malaysia currently is, Mexico spends 12% of its GDP. Turkey spends 13.5%. South Africa <laughs> spends 10% of its GDP. And that's uh, upper-middle-income. Now, if you look at high-income countries, which Malaysia will be somewhere between 2024 and 2028, South Korea spends 10%. Japan spends 23%, Netherlands spends 22%. Now, irrespective of your ideological belief, just from a social expenditure point, Malaysia is so far behind our neighbours, two of our neighbours, let alone upper middle income country, let alone high income country. So that alone says look, we got to spend more on, on, on social protection. Um, you know, whether you have an Islamic approach, whether you have an um, uh, ethno-racial uh, approach, whether you're a socialist, whether you're a capitalist, we are just spending too little on uh, social protection, full stop. Yeah, I mean, it is pretty drastic when you compare it to other countries, other countries like that. Um, but like, why? His, historically, has that always been the case? And also, um, you you did mention that currently uh, Malaysia is having debates, but also like the political situation in Malaysia recently has been uh, quite unique, right? So, uh, do you see this as uh, an opportunity? Actually, that people uh, this this change is actually beneficial, and we can we can push for better social protection and all of these uh, expenditures, like increased expenditures in terms of like percentage in GDP and stuff, or or how, how, how do you look at this situation? Yeah, so, and, uh, so this is great that New Narrative did that survey. So that's fantastic. There have been many, you know, Merdeka Center have done. So, you know, anywhere in the world and in Malaysia, cost of living is always an issue. You know, cost of living is always an issue. Uh, come election or any quarter of the year, you, cost of living is always an issue. Now, so we address cost of living issue, uh, you know, two principles is if you have economic growth, but an economic growth that makes your life better. So I have career progress or, uh, or you know, my entry level job, my salaries are increasing. Now, and here is the problem again, uh, thanks to Kazana Research Institute. Wage growth in Malaysia um, has been, uh, you know, as, as I mentioned earlier, is is has been regressive. Now, and a key 
reason for the uh, a key reason for for the lower wage growth is that the labor market labor is weak okay labor does not have bargaining powers okay so there is a, a an, an embedded feature uh, in the Malaysian economy that that penalizes labor all right and I, I think Malaysians are beginning to to realize that uh you know the the doctors going on strike um the you know the 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 grab uh, the delivery riders going on strike. Uh, you know, this, you know, going, this is, we haven't seen this for a while, but, but you know, doctors going on strike. It's, you know, this is a very, this is a, prof, a, a profession which, you know, and public sector doctors going on strike. This is, you know, it's, it's uh, almost unheard of. Um, so, there is a problem or, or, or the economic model that worked for Malaysia all this while is no longer fit for purpose. Okay. And I, I believe the government knows this. And, and, you know, and the fact that Kazana is coming up with this publication, Kazana is an insider, is that the, you know, that we, the government realizes this but it's trying to figure out what to do. Uh, but because there's also polarization, uh, fragmentation in, in the political elite, uh, the, perhaps the required attention is not being given. Um, so th there is an opportunity, a space, but it's also needed. It's needed. Um, Malaysia cannot sustain uh, this current approach uh, uh, in its labor market. Um, and, and hence, uh, the labor market needs to be reformed, but there are also many other institutions uh, that is. So it needs a new economic model. And it needs an, a new economic model for several reasons. One, at the at a high income level, you cannot compete on low wages, that that's just you know it <laughs> paradox. Like you wouldn't, that cannot be the way. Um, and hence, so you need a different system, uh, a different uh, labor market, uh, and 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 also then because you are at the frontier, um, so it's very disruptive. It's very risky. So how do you protect your workers? Uh, and you know there's this saying uh protect the person not the job um so you, you compete but you ensure that there is a safety net uh in the event uh, our the workers in malaysia whether they are citizens or non-citizens or permanent resident if something happens to them there is a safety net so protect the person the individual not the work so you compete um so, and I, I think this we Malaysia is currently trying to figure this out uh, because there's a lot of work uh, in this area in the government. Uh, there is efforts to look at social protection, uh, and there's also efforts to look at the labor market. 
the shared prosperity vision that um, I believe it uh, it may have come out under Pakatan Harapan, but it's, it's continued. Um, so that term itself, shared prosperity, uh, I believe in, suggests that the political elites are rethink are thinking about how will this shared prosperity look like. Uh, so certainly now is the time uh, for a for a good discussion on this. Yeah. Um, and again, going back going back to wages. I mean, even speaking in purely economic uh, economic terms, even not not in social terms, there's like issues of brain drain. Then there's issues like everything else. If if we have like wage problems and stuff like that. So. Um, Obviously, like uh, inclusive economics and then social protection, but also, uh, yeah, setting the wages right. That's that's a that's an important issue. Uh, no matter as you as you mentioned, no matter the ideological, um, your ideological position, right? Uh, but like, okay, so so we've we've laid out we've laid out the the problem here, and you know what we need, you know what we need the things that we need to aim for. What do you think are the concrete steps that we need to take in order to move forward like what are the the current debates like in in malaysia about like uh setting you know centralized centralized wage setting process for example or like other uh policy certain policy recommendations what are the current steps uh that are that we can take and that are currently being discussed in malaysia so so the, the government has a, a so minimum wage policy uh, uh is an you know was sort of a, um, something amazing, <laughs> if you, you know, if you've been following the Malaysian context. Now, of course, uh, there are criticism about uh, the level of the minimum wage, um, how it's being implemented, and so forth. But simply that the idea that the minimum wage has been set uh, uh, is is an amazing uh, step forward uh, in Malaysia. So. So, so that's already good. Uh, so it's a high, highly centralized uh, tripartite system. Uh, uh, but I think the the union representation is perhaps not as strong uh, in in this in this uh, in this current model. So it would be in the government's interest. Uh, and certainly in, in the interest of Malaysians, uh, because a, the large number, uh, disprof- you know, the, a large number of Malaysians, uh, as I mentioned earlier, derive their in- households, derive income from employment. So uh, when uh, the union is strong, uh, you know, the ability to, to, to bargain uh, is strong. But the government can also set up formulas, uh, uh, for example, that wage should always rise above inflation. Okay, and there will be debates and discussion. You know, that one view will be that you know if that could create a spiral of inflation and so forth. So there's all those debates all there, and and they should be had. But what the government can immediately do, and what Malaysians can immediately do. Uh, is to ensure a higher level of unionization. And so promote uh, the unionization. Um, 
so remove some of the current laws um, that that hinder uh, unionization, um, provide education uh, and, and you know, to to recognize how important unions are uh, in, in in this in reforming the labor market. Uh, because we already have enough research to say that this is one of the reasons Malaysia has this regressive uh, wage growth uh, because it's 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 not unionized. Um, so so that that certainly can uh, can but and but how you do it? Um, you still want the labor market to be flexible. Okay, so perhaps not a very rigid. Um, so allow bargaining so maybe different regions have different uh, wages uh, different sectors perhaps so so allow for those debate but understand central to all this is that you need strong union representation okay that could be one and then secondly uh, the government can can um, set the agenda for how the discussions continue so it could say things like uh, minimum wages will be reviewed every two years. Okay, so it's a formula. It's it's not dependent on whether the employers want it uh, or not, or, or or if the union wants more. No, so we come to an agreement that it will be reviewed every two years. So this is on the e inclusive economic growth side, uh, and then also ensure that whatever that is negotiated, the benefits accrue to all workers whether they are unionized whether they are non-unionized whether they are in a whether they are in a formal or informal uh, so if, you know if you just work for a company that is five people but and hence no union you will benefit if you are a migrant worker you're working in that industry you will benefit so all workers um, uh, benefit so this then you know so then you set the standard Across. So this is genuinely uh, inclusive growth. So that's the one pillar uh, uh, that you need, inclusive economic growth. And central to that will be ensuring unions uh, right at the center of uh, a wage uh, bargaining. So an institutionalized wage bargaining system that accords proper rights to, to labor, to, to unions. Um, where are we now in term in terms of that? In terms of, um, are there anything like any you know any laws that that hinder the forming of unionization that that weaken unions and stuff like that? Because um, yeah, it, it's it's a bit related to that. Um, also, there are you know Kazana Research Institute did recommend other policy changes such as like universal basic income for children. Um, Establishing social security, social insurance, pension for old age, uh, financing and progressive realization strategy, and building a national social security institution and a unified registry. So there are plenty of these uh, recommendations. But also, as you mentioned, um, obviously we do need strong un uh, yeah, unis unionization to push for all of these and to increase the bargaining position there. But uh, at the same time, I, w I wanted to get a better idea of like, where are we now in terms of actually implementing those uh, recommendations, but also um, strengthening unions? Like, are are there laws we need to be wary of, or like, yeah? So, so the, yeah, these are recommendations. Um, yeah, we have, 
we, we, we're not yet there in terms of... So unions are represented in the, the current wage mechanism, but which union, uh, you know, there are government-friendly unions. Uh, there are some, what the government would say, militant unions, um, and they are targeted. And so, yeah, I mean... Um, at at a at even at an even higher level, Malaysia is still conceptualized as an authoritarian state. Uh, you know, so or you know, or as Chin Huat uh, would say, uh, in an electoral electoral authoritarian state. So there are features, there are democratic features, but it is still an authoritarian state. Uh, the Home Minister is very powerful. Uh, you know, so there are laws that can, you know, uh, the whole minister can use nothing related to union, but they can come after you in many ways. Uh, the recent raid on Swatch. <laughs> uh, I, I'm not sure if you're familiar uh, because of the colors of the, the watches. And uh, so national security is, is an all-encompassing anything. Uh, <laughs> as uh, Kishamuddin Rai said, if the government doesn't like the color of your hair or <laughs> your haircut, and it can say this is national security and they can come after you. So, so that's a that's a bigger uh, or that's an overarching issue. And it's any government. You know, this is supposed to be a, a reformist government under Anwar Ibrahim, and it is this reformist government that has just done these things. Um, um, and it was, um, you know, a different... Uh, uh, it was the Parikatan National, supposedly a more ethno-centric government that legislated the minimum wages uh, in Malaysia. Uh, after the coup, uh, after they overthrew Pakatan Harapan, they legislated something that Pakatan Harapan had promised but didn't do. Uh, Parikatan National legislated minimum wages, uh, 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 sorry, and introduced it. So, the, the, at the higher level, we we remain an authoritarian uh, regime. So any government is still authoritarian. So that's an a, another issue or a different issue to to address. At, but an authoritarian regime that wants to be credible will ensure that <laughs> its supporters, who are most most of them are the poor Malaysians uh, on either side, whether Pakatan Harapan or Perikatan National, it's poor Malaysians who support them both. 80% of Malaysians earn less than 4,000 ringgit a month. Uh, you know, so it, you know, if they want to be credible and genuinely deliver inclusive economic growth, they would find ways to ensure uh, their supporters uh, derive the benefits of, of Malaysia's economic growth. And the, the, the best way, the most efficient way, is to uh, strengthen unions. So then their representatives will sit together with the employer's union and the government and negotiate a wage, okay? And balancing the need for economic growth, but also distributing that economic growth. Now, if the government gets this side right, then the comprehensive social protection is strengthened also. 
okay? Because higher wages would mean also higher taxes, okay? And, and if you, you can, so Malaysia currently has a very narrow tax base. So it has to reform its, its tax. Uh, but, but then higher wages will mean sort of broadening of the, the tax base, but also raising the, the, the tax. And then, of course, you include progressive taxation, you know, you, which the, the government is slowly starting the recent budget. So you tax the high income earners more, the, the owners of capital shares, uh, you, you tax them more. Uh, or, and then you, you, so Malaysia's tax collection is also terrible, lower than its uh, competitors. So you have more efficient ways of, of taxing uh, uh, people. Or, and also you introduce perhaps uh, a more automatic ways of taxation. So goods and, you know, the GST, you know, which is a more efficient. And you don't have to worry about the regressive elements there because you have a progressive, so GST may be regressive or is regressive because it uh, uh, taxes everyone for consumption, but you can compensate that through progressive taxation and a fantastic comprehensive social insurance. So it you know, works out for everyone. Yeah, I, I want to go back to, to your, um, it's a very interesting, uh, very interesting thing that you mentioned, uh, also quoted Chinhuat with like, um, Authoritarian state with elector, electoral authoritarian state uh, with democratic features and stuff like that. I mean, there are lots of um, also ways and lots of like debates to be had. But like as you as you just as you just explained, so it's actually there. You know, the path forward is actually there. Uh, it kind of like got me thinking though. Um, for regular Malaysians, for regular citizens, what political action? Can we can can like Malaysians actually take to improve the situation? And I guess that's also connected to um, connected to other things like the Malaysian um, identity. Who who the, who like you know? You're are you authoritarian? Are you do you want to be like democratic? And like what's the history like behind uh, behind Malaysia itself? You wanna speak a bit more about that? And I believe you have some, you know, you have some. You will be speaking more about that also, right? So I'm part of the. I'm a committee member of the Malaysia and Singapore Society of Australia, MASA. So we are having this uh, a big conference on July 7th and 8th in Kajang at New Era College, where we, yeah, we're going to discuss uh, the theme of the conference is, who are you, Malaysia? You know, the, uh, and this evolution of our identity. Um, uh, and and this issues such as this uh, are brought will be we, you know we've got over 70 paper presenters uh, discussing a whole range of issues and and as you're right it it's all interconnected it's all interconnected um so the economist in me uh says look let's find the most efficient and effective way <laughs> to protect malaysians or to protect anyone who is working in malaysia or who is in malaysia okay and that's why i find uh, kazana's um KRI's, uh, you know, uh, social protection, a comprehensive social protection policies, fantastic because they've, you know, they've really crunched the numbers on on how how this can be achieved. So they've pro provided the intellectual arguments. World Bank also has done uh, done similar studies on social protection. So there's a, it's a global issue in Europe. 
the pension crisis, <laughs> uh, the aging society uh, in, in, in advanced economies in Australia, how do we pay for, for the aging society? Uh, so long, living longer, but also the, the health issues that, that are associated with living longer. So, you know, so how do we pay for all this? And then a shrinking population of uh, the young. So it was always the younger workers paying for the older workers, but it was a pyramid. Um, so more younger workers, bigger base paying for uh, a narrow, older, retired. But but that that pyramid is, you know, it's it's no longer a pyramid. It's almost like a, a building now. So. So we got to so we got to think about it. Every country is facing the same thing, including Malaysia. So how how do we think about this? And and okay, and in Malaysia, identity politics is is important. So I would I would say to Malaysians of any persuasion. So let's say if you are a supporter of the Islamic Party, I would say I would ask the leaders of the Islamic Party to say, how does Islamic governance ensure social protection? How does Islamic governance promote inclusive growth? So can PAS articulate that? Can can members of PAS, uh, you know, ask PAS leadership, how will you ensure inclusive growth? How 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 does Islamic justice concepts of Islamic justice ensure comprehensive social protection? How does it uh, the the fruits of labor? Uh, how does it distribute the fruits of economic growth? Okay, I would ask the ethnocentric parties. Okay, how do you how do you ensure comprehensive social protection of all all Malaysians of everyone living in Malaysia? We have one of the largest foreign labor, twenty to twenty three or twenty five percent formerly are migrant labors. How do we ensure comprehensive social protection for for all 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 of labor? I would ask the state-based parties, you know, so you may be state, but you know, your state, Sabah, Sarawak, high migration population working in the plantation, porous borders, how do you ensure social protection? So just let's start talking about comprehensive social protection, inclusive growth. There are intellectual, there are papers that are, how do I say, like, KRI World Bank papers are, uh, you could say, ideology free. Uh, the World Bank might be growth, uh, but inclusive growth. Um, um, and 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 yeah, and I would say, look, let's listen to uh, parties that are based on labor. There are currently two in Malaysia: Party Socialist Malaysia, and Party Rakyat Malaysia, uh, the the part that didn't join PKR, uh, uh, that there is still there. So these are uh, socialist parties, so labour-based parties. So let's listen to them. You know they have a longer history of of uh, promoting labour rights. They do a lot of activities. Party Socialist Malaysia does a lot of activities pro bono uh, to protect labour. So so let's listen to them. Um, on on their views of 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 sharing sharing economic growth protecting labor so, so you know so let's mainstream the discourse the discussions around 
inclusive economic growth, what would, what would that mean? And what would comprehensive social protection mean for Malaysians? So this is the, the only way forward, in my view. Yes, as you mentioned, you know, it's a no matter no matter what party you align yourself with, it's like, you know, um, you mentioned Malaysians of any persuasion should really take this up for uh, discussions and, and debates along with their uh, with their political movements, political parties, or even their their circles, and just really care more about the labor rights and unionization, push for push for those. So I do think that's very, very important. But I guess I guess that also leads to my last question here. Um, for listeners who are not Malaysian, for people who are like who live in, in the rest of Southeast Asia, for example, are there still things that we can do to improve this situation? Because again, I'm sure, I'm sure, um, you know, while this like certain situations, certain parts of action are unique to Malaysia, the problem itself is not, right? So, um, what would you say? What would you tell the listeners who are not uh, from Malaysia but who care about about these issues, whether in their own home country or in Malaysia? Yeah. Um... Thank you, and and one of the reasons I'm I'm very impressed with the new narrative. Um, you know, at the highest level, this is about global solidarity. Yeah. Um, if you look at the stats, the rich, you know, a small percentage of of people throughout the world. The amount of money they, the, the amount of wealth they own, you know, the, the Jeff Bezos and, you know, it's just like there is something fundamental, you know, so as an economist, you learn there cannot be super normal profit and that that the profit, you know, rent or there is justice in an efficient economic system. Everyone will get their, their due reward, you know, the labor, the capital and government through taxation. Clearly, this is not true. Clearly, this is not true. How can there be concentration of wealth if the market is efficient? You know, so clearly, this is there is something fundamentally wrong with our economic systems in a, in our country globally. And our countries are Malaysia is an open economy. Most 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 ASEAN countries are very open. Uh, so we are all part of a bigger problem. Uh, this concentration of wealth, which comes out from a, a dysfunctional economic system. And this dysfunctional economic system is concentrating wealth while destroying the resource base. Okay? It's it's a very environmentally damaging uh, economic system. So it, it's, it's, it's no longer just an issue around poverty or, or inequality. There's an existential challenge now uh, with this economic system. So it's about solidarity now. It's, you know, we got to move. Yeah. So, you know, so an issue I often see, especially between Malaysia and Indonesia is, is the, uh, so how Malaysians treat uh, Indonesian labor. But it's also a problem. Malaysians in in Australia, in, in informal sectors, and Australia is a developed country being treated badly. So labor is, is you know, is vulnerable in, in, in so many ways. So developing solidarity is, I think, going to be crucial. 
Uh, and, and I know there are already uh, solidarity networks around uh, migrant labor or, 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 or slave, you know, slave labor. Uh, but I would encourage that most of the, the focus is while we think of inclusive growth and comprehensive so social protection, in any country that we are, we must say inclusive growth and comprehensive social protection for everyone in our country, not just citizens. So, and if we do this across all countries, let's say, let's use ASEAN as a block, then we, and you know, there is an ASEAN commun community uh, as, you know, we we're working towards an ASEAN community. So we socialize the idea that ASEAN member states will protect ASEAN member citizens. Perhaps that's a start. And then as we push it, we ensure all foreign labor working in ASEAN countries will be accorded protection. Um, um, and, and, and yes, from an economic perspective, that's an efficient market. Okay, we, we are able to bring the most competitive labor, the most competent labor, but wage is not the factor. It's, it's the competency, the capability of that labor. Wage will be paid equally at a decent level to, to all labor. So yeah, that would be my uh, 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 sort of, I would encourage uh, anyone in who are lis who's listening to this, this podcast uh, uh, to promote this where they are, the solidarity social protection for everyone in my country, inclusive growth for everyone in my country. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Um, building solidarity, again, uh, we are talking specifically about Malaysia, but the problem is global. And as you mentioned, touching upon global solidarity and being critical towards the economic system that has got us here in the first place, that really concentrates wealth on the hands of like very few people destroying the resource bases, as you mentioned. Uh, yeah, keep building solidarity and keep pushing. You know, for uh, for Malaysians, uh, we 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 did discuss about um, supporting unionizations and then talking to your uh, talking to your to your friends, talking to your circles, talking to your uh, political parties and representatives, and all of that. I I do think that can apply to not just Malaysians but everyone. But I think. It's, it's really, really important to just build that kind of like solidarity for more inclusive economic growth. And I think that's a great note to end on. Thank you so much, Greg. Thank you, Bonnie. I really appreciate this opportunity. And that wraps up our discussion with Greg Lopez. It's worth reiterating that there are many things you can do to improve your country's economic system. Engage your state and federal representatives to encourage them to champion inclusive growth and comprehensive, inclusive social protection. Support, either financially or through other means like volunteering, civil society organizations that champion inclusive growth and comprehensive, inclusive social protection. Support the trade union movement in Malaysia to achieve high unionization rates, which would enable strong trade unions to take collective action on behalf of all workers. And most importantly, keep building regional and global solidarity and maintain a critical eye on any economic system that concentrates wealth on the hands of the few. 
My name is Bonnie Bell Rambatan, and this has been Southeast Asia Dispatches, brought to you by New Narrative and produced by Dania Yudo. I'll see you around.